The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. And we are the sons. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. We use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and you'll see two videos at the top of the page there. Uh, the one on the left is an educational video from Bradley. This was his prayer that rocked the Capitol up there in the Minnesota State House. Uh, you guys, you can pick the DVD up if you want to do that in our store. But this is where um, uh, he went there. He was invited to give the prayer. Gave the prayer in Jesus' name. And uh, yeah, the right and the left lost their minds, their collective minds. Uh, censured him... Uh, within 10 minutes, I think, of that, 2,000 outlets across the, the United States had maligned him, said he said things he didn't say, and I mean, it's just ridiculous. It really is. 
And uh, then they brought their own little milk toast, syrupy, panty wasted uh, chaplain in to give a prayer that sounded like he was praying to himself because he never addressed uh, an entity at all, uh, much less the God of the Bible in there. So if you want to check that out, that's available up until 3 o'clock this afternoon, at which time, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be live at 3 or if he's going to have another video. up. So, but either case, that'll be happening in, on the left side of the page. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you've got, and then in the bottom right-hand corner, there'll be a Rumble icon. Click on that. Join us in the chat on Rumble. By the way, we are streaming live also to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. We're on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there. DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty. A variety of Facebook pages that bear my name, both personal and public. We're also on Twitch at The Real Tim Brown. And then also on Twitter, if you're on that, at The Real Tim Brown. Don't put the N there and add a 2 in its place, The Real Tim Brown 2. And uh, you'll find us on Twitter if you're over there on that platform, for whatever that, that platform's worth. Now, um, right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. These go out once a day, usually between 7 and 8 o'clock Eastern. Uh, so be sure and sign up for that. Also, if you want our ministry email and you want to know what goes on in the ministry, both on the radio, the internet, and out among the people, uh, you can go to sonsoflibertyradio.com, sign up for that right off the front page. And then finally, if you would like to help us and keep us out there doing what we're doing, there's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that and make a one-time donation. Or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. And again, guys, we appreciate you very much. Uh, let me let you in on this because I haven't really made mention of this this much this week. Our store is available, and in that, this week we're highlighting through tomorrow at midnight, that's Saturday at midnight, our very popular What is the Price t-shirts. On the front of it, it says, What is the price of our freedom? Ask a veteran. On the back, it says, What is the price of your redemption? Ask the Son of God. Um, these are normally $20 donation. Now they're $18. You don't need a promo code or anything like that. But that's only through tomorrow night at midnight. And you can find that going to sonslibertymedia.com. Click on the uh, store link, and you should be good to go. Now, I just want to make mention of one thing. I'm not going to play it because, well, it's... It would take up the whole show to do it, and we've got a guest this morning, so we're not going to do that. But uh, I am going to have it in the archive. I think I may have put it in the archive yesterday, but I think it's something you need to be thinking about. Uh, it is something that's being discussed. And this is uh, Christian nationalism versus mere Christendom. This is a talk between Doug Wilson and Stephen Wolf. I think you guys will be challenged to think about these issues, and I think that's good uh, that, we're, that we are challenged to think about those things. Because what, what, what have I said all along? Every country upon the, the face of the earth is a theocracy. And the God of that country or that nation determines the laws. Whoever they're serving is going to determine the laws. And you can see it everywhere. It's undeniable. And yet people want to say, oh, Tim, you're pushing a theocracy. Hey, you're pushing a theocracy. Yeah, you live under one right now. It's called secular humanism. That's what you're living under right now in the United States. That's what's being promoted. Oh, it's got the thin veneer of Christianity. But when you look at the practical aspects and some of the things that are said and done, there's no doubt of what we're facing right now in this country. And that is part of the judgment of God. It's part of when the people depart wickedly from their God. Now, with that said, you know, there's been some talk about Freemasonry. And um, one of the things uh, I told you guys we would do is we would, we, would, uh, we would try to tackle this issue. Now, I don't have tons of information on it. But our guest this morning has some, and he has some experience uh, of being in it. Uh, I talked with my pastor, and he says, yeah, you ought to get uh, Andy to talk on. He, he, was, he was into this and things of that nature. So I have with me 
uh, Pastor Andy Webb. Uh, he is in an ARP church here somewhere close to me. I didn't quite get that, so I'm going to let him tell you about it. But uh, Andy, good morning. Welcome to the Sons of Liberty, man. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And uh, one of the things I want to ask you is, tell us just a little bit about yourself so people get a feel for who you are. Uh, give us a little background. Take a couple of minutes and give us a little background of who you are and where you're located. Okay. Um, as you said, my name is Andy Webb. I'm uh, the pastor of Providence ARP Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Some of your listeners may recognize Fayetteville as the home of Fort Bragg. So uh, I, of course, have a mostly military congregation. Um, I myself uh, uh, am not, uh, believe it or not, an American. I am, even though I sound like one, I'm uh, actually a subject of her. Well, no, not anymore. I'm no longer a subject of Her Majesty the Queen. I'm uh, a subject of His Majesty, King Charles III. Uh, a friend of mine was saying uh, Presbyterians haven't done too well under King Charles is up to now. Hopefully that changes. But uh, in any event, they we, did good uh, standing against him, though, the, the Charleses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, I wasn't born in a Christian family. Uh, my, my parents were, you know, the, the C&E Christmas and Easter Christians. Um, I was uh, raised in a mostly um, Irish Catholic neighborhood. Uh, so I was the English kid in an Irish Catholic neighborhood at a time when they were, uh, you know, there was a lot of tension between the English and the Irish during what the, the period they called the Troubles. So I learned to either fight or run very quickly <laughs> you know, as a kid. Um, but uh, the Lord had better plans for me than I, I had for myself. I, uh, I was converted in 1993 uh, and then uh, went on to uh, go to seminary uh, in 1997 and eventually ended up planning the church here down in uh, Fayetteville, Fort Bragg. And, 2001. But as you said, uh, I was a Mason. I was also into the occult uh, for some time, various uh, magical, you know, societies um, and, and stuff like that. But um, so do you want do you want to hear my background in, in Freemasonry or? Yeah, let's let's uh, I, I tell you what, let's do this right here. Let's okay. go. And we'll because one of the things I want you to do is share mm -hmm. with people your testimony. I don't want to I don't want to make this about glorifying evil. But right. one of the things is, is it can Freemasonry be compatible with the Bible, with what the Bible teaches? I think that's where we want to get at. And so, I, I, you know, you you went up more than the first three levels. I've always been told first three levels, most of the guys don't. I mean, there's things that, that they should pick up on, you know, making oaths, uh, blood covenants, um, you know, doing certain, you know, rituals and things like that, that a Christian should pick up on and say, yeah, this isn't stuff that we should be doing. Uh, but they're not necessarily as deep and dark the further you go along. And so most of the guys that I've met uh, who are in it look at it like this is like, you know, a fraternity in college or something. And then along the lines, they try to, quote unquote, do good works, which is mm -hmm. what their little white aprons represent and, and things of that nature. And I've told the people, uh, my father, who is a Southern Baptist pastor, uh, he told me, he said, look, I, uh, I'll do a Freemasonry uh, funeral all day long, but I will not do a graveside service because they come in and attack the very gospel I just got done preaching. And that is, they pin the apron on the guy who's died. They say that this is his righteousness before God. That is clearly an attack on the biblical gospel and on the Christ who gave us our righteousness. So I, that's, you know, I know little bits and pieces. Uh, I've read some different things, but yeah, I'd like for you to elaborate. How did you get into it? What took place in there, and what do you see as the real conflict here? 
Okay. Well, um, uh, as I said, I was not raised as a Christian. One, and the interesting thing is, in order to become a Freemason, you have to be, one, an adult male, and two, you have to be um, somebody who affirms a belief in a God. Uh, any God actually will do in order to get into Freemasonry. So you'll you will find Freemasons who are Hindus, Freemasons who are uh, Zoroastrians, uh, Muslims, uh, you name it, um, and you can be a, uh, a Freemason. Now, the exception to that rule is when you get into the York Rite, there are two rites in Masonry. There's the York Rite and the Scottish Rite. York Rite has 10 degrees. Uh, Scottish Rite technically has 33 degrees. Uh, but to get to the top of the York Rite, you have to affirm a belief in the Christian God, and you actually have to uh, say you're going to defend Christianity. Um, the, the topmost degree Knights Templar involves, uh, taking that on. So you can't technically be a non-Christian, go all the way to the top in the York, right? Uh, I made it incidentally in masonry to the end of the, uh, the cryptic degrees. So sixth degree, uh, before I got the hebes. Um, and finally after my conversion, I, I left, uh, I was supposed to go to Knights Templar. My father made it to Knights Templar, but, um, I became a Mason when I was, uh, 21 years old. Um, my father had been a Mason for many years, and it was his great desire to raise me. Um, you were raised as a master Mason, and he was the one who, um, uh, in the final ritual when uh, you were made a master Mason, uh, you were actually pulled out of a coffin. Uh, so there's a resurrection motif there. And uh, my dad was the one who pulled me out of the coffin. So for father-son Masons, that's very um it's a very powerful moment uh, within that movement. Uh, and I became a member of my father's lodge in New York City because uh, I was raised in northern New Jersey. So that was Kane Lodge 454, the Explorer Lodge, uh, named after um, three explorers, Kane, Perry, Bird, Antarctic explorers, who were also uh, master masons. And that was about 1990. Then I uh, moved to Washington, D.C. to get a job there. And I became a member of Federal Lodge Number no. 1, which actually has uh, the Bible, that uh, the Masonic Bible that was used at Washington's funeral, because George Washington had a, uh, a Masonic funeral. Um, and then, um, believe it or not, Federal Lodge had, um, had a ton of, uh, of homosexuals within the lodge. And uh, things got, got weird and uncomfortable. So I moved on to uh, Naval Lodge Number 4, which was mostly ex-policemen and uh, guys who had worked in the Navy Yard the, uh, down there in Washington, D.C. It was a much more staid uh, lodge. Um, and I stayed there until a little while after I became a Christian. And, um, well, about a year or two, I think, after I became a Christian. Uh, and uh, they actually had me be the chaplain for a little while, but I just, I couldn't. Um, there were too many incompatibilities uh, that uh, too many times my conscience was hurt. And it's interesting that you would mention the, um, the Masonic funeral, because that was what, uh, it was a Masonic funeral for a, uh, uh, for a Lodge brother. Uh, and uh, that really... Um, got under my skin. That was where the Lord really pricked me and said, this is not right. You know, this is not right. Uh, remaining a member there. Uh, there were, there are a number of things that were already bothering me first, not being able to um, even operating as the chaplain in the lodge, not being able to finish my prayers in Jesus name as a Mason, you say, so mote it be uh, not praying in Christ's name, not being able to mention Christ, 
Um, sometimes there are scriptures mentioned uh, in masonry where the name of Christ would normally occur. They actually excise that because it's considered sectarian. We can't do that. But the Masonic funeral, as you said, they uh, they have the uh, the apron. Uh, and uh, then they place a sprig of acacia on the breast of the dead uh, brother, indicating uh, the evergreen, indicating a mortal life and their assurance uh, that he has gone to be with the grand architect of the universe in the, um, in, in the grand lodge, uh, in the celestial lodge. Um, and in the Masonic funeral ritual, they actually affirm that the brother has entered into heaven uh, based upon his good works, on his being a good uh, master mason, and that no one can deny that you know he has uh, he has entered there, and that uh, we'll all we'll all be there together. And that's a full frontal assault on what the gospel teaches us, isn't it? Yes, absolutely, it is. It's uh, it's universalism. It, it really is. There's um, uh, there's Jesus uh, in masonry is a moral teacher but he is not the only redeemer. Now, you can be a Christian and a Mason. Uh, they make that point. Um, but the importance of the Bible as the only revealed source of, uh, of truth, as God's only revelation, as the only rule for our faith and practice, that's negated. It is a source of light, but it is not the only source. Um, so if you're in, a, in an area where it's majority uh, Muslim, you would use a Quran. Uh, if you're in an area that's uh, majority Hindu, you would use uh, you know, the Vedas and so on. You don't use the Bible. Uh, if, uh, and if you have a candidate coming in who's of a different faith, then uh, for instance, you would, uh, if he was Jewish, you would use uh, a, um, a Tanakh, a Jewish Bible. Uh, and so it's all pluralism. It's very close to um, liberal Christianity and the idea, you know, you have the spokes of the wheel and at the center is God. Sure. And the spokes are the many different religions that will take you there. Masonry makes that explicit. They, uh, you know, there are many paths to God uh, is one of the, uh, the central um, teachings. And it's always been emphasizing since the 1700s, the idea of the fatherhood of God and the essential brotherhood of man. And that there are many different ways of understanding God. There are many different ways of getting to God. It's very pluralistic, very deistic. Um, and uh, in, the, in modern terms, uh, it's always been preaching uh, to a certain extent or teaching moral and therapeutic deism. So that we, we get to heaven by our good works, as you said. Uh, and um, uh, we are, it, it's... It, 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 what is it? The saying, uh, making masonry's uh, motto is making good men better. But that assumes that men are good. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Christianity teaches well, that, that it, we're it, fallen. Yeah, that's right. Let, let's, let's take just a moment to talk about that for a second, because mm -hmm. that is where Americans have gotten, ha, have gotten to nowadays. They think mm -hmm. man is basically good and he just needs a little help to be better. That, that, is the, that is the thought. In fact, we'll say, he's a good guy. He, and, you know, I, this is a language we use down in the South all the time, right? I mean, he's a good guy. Well, what do we mean by that? Well, we mean he's a decent fella, you know, overall. I mean, he's not murdering his neighbor, and he's not stealing from his... We kind of we have this soft tone about it. 
instead of seeing what Scripture says, it talks about, you know, we've got a wicked heart. We've, we're dead in our sins. We're children of the devil, that kind of thing. And what we need is we need a new heart, and we need a Savior from sin, not just to deliver us somewhere out in the future from the wrath of God, but even now to deliver us from that. And so it is incompatible with that. And just to clarify, when you were saying that a minute ago, uh, and some people in the chat were picking up on it, where, where masonry allows you to be a Christian and a mason, what you're saying is they allow you to identify as a Christian. You can go to a Christian church and all that. That's what you're saying, not that necessarily you're regenerate, but that, but that you can identify with that. It's just we're not going to put Jesus up here above everybody else who might be in the room because we got some secularists and we got some Muslims or some Hindus or whatever. I think largely here it would be people who identify as Christian, but you have that kind of stuff going on. Now, how does that work in times past? You know, we did a book when I was at Nicene Council. We did a, a book. It was the fifth chapter. Dr. Gary North, who passed away this year, uh, mm -hmm. used to work for him. He did a book. Uh, he wrote a book called Political Polytheism, and the fifth chapter, which was like I don't even know how many pages this thing was as a as a hardback that we printed out. It's huge. Just the fifth chapter was over four hundred pages, mm -hmm. and we we reprinted it called Conspiracy in Philadelphia, and uh, you can you can get the PDF for this. I'll have a link for that if if anybody's interested in reading it. But Dr. North went back and started breaking out some of the things, uh, and then we followed up with a with a documentary called We the Deceived. And he began to lay out how, you know, even our, our early founding uh, as under, you know, the guys who established the Constitution, some of them were Freemasons. Uh, and even back before then, we know that that had some of that had developed within the colonies, uh, even though I believe that our initial founding, you can, I mean, I don't think there's any any dispute about when the Mayflower Compact was set up, what their goal was. They were there for the advancement of the gospel and for the advancement of the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. They were very explicit about it. And their laws that they developed were, they would cite the Bible. In fact, the states, uh, many of their laws cited scripture for why they, why it was a law and why they, they brought justice in the way they did. So when we go back here, you know, my friend Mr. Wordsworth was pointing out the big G there. You were talking about the great architect of the universe. Uh, mm -hmm. He was pointing out it's, <clears throat> uh, the, it stands for Gesu, I guess that's how you pronounce it, G-E-S-U, -G and it's tied back with the Jesuits. So what's, what's actually going on there? What is this, let, let's start with that. What is this big G here? What is this uh, square and compass? What all is that supposed to formulate in the mind of the person who is the, who is the mason? Okay, so um, when you when you're in a lodge room, okay, the central the the, the central focus, and you'll have the checkered floor, and when I'm talking about a lodge room, I'm talking about a a blue lodge, and you need to understand the blue lodge is the experience of most uh, most masons. Very few masons make it past um, the third degree, unless you're uh, a shriner or a templar. Um, but in any event, so you walk into the lodge room and you are immediately struck by the fact that you've got an altar in the center of the um, of the room. There's usually a kneeler in front of it. And then on top of that, on a cushion is a Bible or the holy book that they're using. Uh, and then there's the, uh, the square and the compass and a G in the center. This is called the furniture of the lodge. Uh, it's symbolic of the idea that God is the grand architect of the universe, uh, and uh, the Bible is spoken of, if it's in the center of the lodge, as a source of light. 
Um, and so, it, but it all, you know, masonry, the, the central myth in masonry is the, uh, the idea that masonry goes back to the masons who created King Solomon's temple. And if you're familiar with First Kings, you remember the Tyrum King of Tyre sent uh, a man who was half Jewish and, and half, uh, uh, half a, a citizen of Tyre. His father had been from Tyre. His mother was Jewish. Uh, and uh, his name is Hiram Abif. And he is um, the architect and the, uh, the whole, the central play in Master Masonry is Hiram Abif is murdered. Uh, and uh, and then you have the the raising at the end, but um, it, it, so the idea is that in masonry we are um, we're reenacting rituals that were supposedly practiced by Freemasons. You know, literally the guys who are making uh, cathedrals in the Middle Ages and so on. And uh, this was this was their secret rites of initiation and. Uh, where they gave their initiates greater light, greater understanding. It's really a, a very, um, if you're familiar with the, the idea of Gnosticism, secret knowledge, yep. that's what masonry is all about as you go through the degrees. We're revealing to you the secrets of the universe, you know. Well, isn't you know. that what you're talking about when you say you got into, was this a start into occultism for you or was, because um, this is what this is. No, I wish I could say it was a start into occultism. Uh, my mother had been a spiritist. Uh, happily, she's not any longer, but uh, for most of her life. And she uh, used to drag me to um, the Jersey Parapsychology Society. Uh, so I was raised around witches and mediums and uh, all manner of uh, people who thought they had ESP and were psychic and so on and could... Uh, you know, so I would use, I used to spend my Saturdays, you know, staring with a room full of people at a clock trying to stop the second hand by power of our will and stuff like that. And uh, having my palm read as a kid, uh, you know, and it's funny, whenever you go to palm readers, they'll tell you, oh, yes, you were a Hungarian prince in a past life. Not you were a miserable peasant, never achieved anything <laughs> or something like that. They always tell you what they, you know, they, they think you want to hear. But so I was raised in that environment and I continued to move in uh, to that. But when I got into masonry, um, I met a lot of um, a lot of other guys who were also into the occult. So that moved me actually uh, through links to them that moved me into other occult societies, uh, for instance, like the Golden Dawn or if you've ever heard of the OTO and so on. These are yep. uh, and those are organizations that are not affiliated with masonry anyway. But you will find that. Um, particularly amongst the Scottish right, there are a lot of guys who, um, if you are into the occult, you are usually also uh, a Mason. Um, so often uh, these, these went together. So there were a lot of, uh, there were some guys in, in my lodge, Naval Lodge, uh, who were also high up in occultic organizations. Now, you'll hear a lot of, you know, Ordinary Southern Masons at this point will hear that and say, well, it's a caricature, you're, you're tying together the occult and Freemasons. Well, they're both secret societies. And uh, yeah, I know the average, you know, lodge in, um, uh, in, in Crabapple, wherever, is, um, doesn't have uh, occultists in it. Uh, it's got, you know, a few Methodists, uh, a lapsed Baptist or two. And so, you know, they, they, they generally don't have members of the Golden Dawn, but um, it, it's easy uh, as somebody once put it, if you're looking for the occult in, in masonry, you can find it. And there's no, um, uh, there's usually nothing that's going to uh, prevent you from moving into those, uh, you know, occultic societies and so on, as I did. 
but obviously, once I became a Christian, uh, I immediately dumped my affiliations in those organizations um, that had nothing to do with them. The last one to go was actually uh, was actually Freemasonry because I was struggling with this idea because every, uh, you know, once they, they recognized that I'd become a Christian and an evangelical, they're like, that's okay. That's no problem. You can, you can be a Christian and an evangelical. Uh, we love religion. Um, and, uh, you know, so religiosity is a, is a big deal in Freemasonry, but true religion is the problem that they can't, uh, you know, once you start saying, as the early Christians did within the Roman pluralistic society, there is only one God, right. one religion, one way, yep. uh, that's where you begin to get into trouble. Yeah, and that seems like what what we've got going on today is that this we have we've we've recreated Rome in such a way that you know for for many people they look around and they go well Jesus is is fine for you but uh, I'm going to stick with uh, uh, Allah and His Prophet Muhammad uh, that's what they're going to say or they're going to say well I'm going to be a part you know and and you know my allegiance is to the Pope or you know I'm going to have whatever worldview that I'm going to have and Jesus is just you know, he's kind of tacked on here as equal with any other religious uh, figure out there and things of that nature. So, so okay, so we got this great architect of the, of the universe kind of concept, and I notice there are men in our history who will use terms like that, or they'll use biblical terms, and look, I don't have a, I don't have a problem understanding that God is a great architect of the, I mean, he's the one who designed all things, he spoke them into existence, so it would throw people off to say, well, why is that a problem? Well, one, it's, that that phrase really isn't used in the Bible. I'm not saying it can't be. The Trinity isn't used in the Bible, yet we get a concept for it. What about this issue of, say, the all-seeing eye and this, the square and the compass? What do they represent uh, in Freemasonry? Um, well, the all the all-seeing eye is one once again. Uh, that's that's deistic. Um, stuff representing uh you know the omniscience of god but the 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 square and the uh the compass really are uh the idea of god being the framer of the universe uh the revealer of truth and and so on uh you can you can plumb and and this is one of the things about masonic ritual um most of it was written in the 1800s and so um you'll get guys who will say it comes from here, it comes from there, and, and so on. I mean, most of the Scottish Rite was essentially written by Albert Pike, one guy, and he was borrowing liberally from uh, from every source he could, including some occultists. Um, and uh, you you have so saying this means that is 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 very difficult uh, because you'll have Mason saying that's that's not the case that doesn't uh, that's not what that means uh, and there's there's very few authoritative sources for um, uh, for a- absolutely saying that this doctrine means that um, even as you're going through uh, uh, degree ritual so for instance uh, uh, there's one place where Albert Pike says that the um, uh, that the, the the square represents the the female uh, generative uh, essence, and the compass is the male uh, generative essence, uh, bringing forth you know life. So uh, essentially, uh, you know, sexual organ references and so on, weird stuff. Um, 
So yeah, and the all-seeing eye would be kind of like that, going back to Horus and such, like kind of like what we have on the on the back of our dollar bill, that little pyramid going on and stuff right. like that. Right. So a lot of a lot of Egyptian, and uh, it wasn't Albert Pike who was the first one to bring in uh, kind of uh, I- I- Egyptian and occultic imagery into uh, into Freemasonry. That had been there for uh, uh, for a hundred years, but uh, he certainly um, he amped it up, if I can put it that way. Okay. All right. Okay. So when somebody goes through all of this, what are the benefits of them even being in here? Because, uh, because that, that has, there has to be a draw for some of this, right? There has to be a draw for a man to want to be a part of this. Like I can see like maybe for yourself, Hey, my father was in this and a lot of, a lot of young men, a lot of young boys want to follow in the, in the footsteps of their fathers. So I can see that, well, I'm doing it because dad did it. You know, he was this and, you know, it's like the guy who's the tailor. Well, I'm going to learn to be a tailor because my dad was a tailor. My dad's a fireman. I'm going to do the same thing. Some guys are like that. But then you have other people who come in. What is the benefit to them of being in a a Masonic Lodge? What's the real benefit for them? Well, yeah, and uh, just to uh, to make mention there are Masonic organizations that are designed to, to move men into uh, masonry, the Demole organization, particularly, which is uh, really kind of, it's like the Masonic boy Scouts, you know, getting you, uh, moving you into uh, the channel. So when you're 21, you can be raised as a, uh, as a Mason, but um, they, well, I mean, historically uh, and masonry used to have a lot more advantages than it does uh, today. Uh, masonry was, was absolutely uh, active behind the scenes uh, in European society. Um, if you were uh, anybody influential uh, and deistically oriented, you know, a, a philosoph and so on, you were probably a master Mason. We could go through lists of, you know, influential master Masons, as you mentioned, um, the uh, many of the founders, I believe it was uh, nine signers of the Declaration, something like 13 of the Constitution, maybe more, half of Washington's generals. And of course, Washington was a Freemason. Uh, and there have historically been uh, certain organizations uh, where it was almost impossible to get ahead and to move into senior ranks without being a Mason. The British police were famous. Uh, for that, for instance. Uh, and you remember, uh, anybody who's a, a Jack the Ripper fan will remember how um, uh, the, the police came and eradicated uh, some evidence they left at one of his yes. crimes, yeah. uh, crime scenes uh, because it was, uh, it, it was pointing the finger at the Freemasons. So, um, and here in American society, up until really the modern age, uh, masonry in a lot of areas was very important. If you wanted to get ahead in, in certain businesses, um, if you wanted to get ahead in the military, um, there uh, and, and to this day, there are certain posts where there will be uh, a very heavy Masonic influence, and those guys will help each other. Why do you join the Masons? Well, if you don't have a connection already, uh, one, because it's a fraternal organization, let's face it, guys want to spend time together, especially in an increasingly uh, anti-male organization. There's a lot of there's a lot of draw to, you know, it's just us behind closed doors being men. 
Um, so that's a draw by itself. Secondly, uh, there is this idea that I've joined a fraternity, a brotherhood, where these men will take care of me. They will advance my interests. Um, they will, uh, if I'm, I'm out of money, I can send money to, I mean, it, it, it's amazing, but um, there were actually uh, Masons who were sending letters to George Washington saying, hey, I'm destitute, uh, brother, can you, uh, can you help me out? Um, uh, and, and they will uh, take care of your, uh, your widows and your orphans, uh, that historically they, they've done that. Um, we don't think about it, but at, uh, at various times in history, it's been very expensive to bury people. And if people had become, they'd lost their jobs and become paupers, uh, their lodge brothers would, uh, would come alongside and they would handle the cost of the funeral, uh, not just do the Masonic rites, but actually, you know, pay for the uh, the burial, and then make sure that the uh, the widow and the uh, the orphan of the the kids weren't destitute. So there was uh, there were a lot of advantages in the prior years to being a Mason. But one of the things that you've seen in Masonry is it's Masonry is very, in many ways, kind of like liberal um, Protestantism. Uh, liberal Protestantism is aging out. Uh, everybody knows that the average, you know, Episcopalian, uh, the average mainline Presbyterian is over 60, sometimes in their, into their 70s and so on. And one of the things that I saw going to the Masonic lodges was exactly the same thing. Uh, Masons are aging out. Uh, younger people, as a general rule, don't want to have anything to do. Uh, they, you know, they're just not interested in, in these uh, secret societies and so on, unless they are um, being groomed by their dads uh, for that um, for that kind of experience. Sometimes you'll, you'll you'll see that, but as a general rule, the Masons, in terms of their influence and the number of people who are Masons, uh, that's that's going down. Yeah, has been for many years. One of one of the things you know, I'm, I'm seeing some of the comments in the chat too, and you were talking about it. You know, isn't it interesting how the world takes care of its own? The way you were talking about there, and sometimes they do that better than the professed church does. And I say the professed church. I want to make sure that I'm distinguishing the professed church between true professors or followers of Christ. Uh, that they'll take care of their own, but in the same in the same breath that I say that. If you turn on them and you start revealing secrets and talking about these things, my understanding is there's a pretty pretty uh, bloody oath that you take. Have your yeah. tongue cut out, buried at low tide, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, they, they, my uncle was telling me, he said, uh, you know, if, before he passed, he said, you know, you'll get blackballed. Uh, if you turn on, on your, your lodge, if you start revealing things that you're not supposed to be talking about, that they'll blackball you. They'll cut you off from any kind of business you can have. I mean, it is, it is akin to what the early, the first century Jews did to the, 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 the new Christians. They were like, they were cut off from family. They were cut off from business. They were cut off from the society and the things of that nature. Is that still going on or has that kind of phased out as well? Um, well, it's, it's kind of like excommunication from the church today. Um, there are churches that still excommunicate, but everybody's like, you know, what's that matter? I, I, you know, I'm, I'm kicked out by the PCA church down the road for, uh, uh, for adultery with my secretary. Well, I just go to the United Methodists over there and they, uh, they welcome me in with uh, open arms. Um, the blood, the blood oaths are not carried out, certainly. Um, and a lot of guys, uh, it's not a case of, you know, they, they turn on the Masons, they begin to reveal their secrets and so on. And I, I have to tell you, almost every Masonic, in fact, every Masonic secret that I can think of is, is available on the Internet uh, at this point in time. 
Uh, we used to uh, we used to joke because they would give you these ritual books, uh, and they're not allowed to print the entire ritual, so they print you know like initials and stuff like that. And you're like, this is too easy to understand. I'm just going to buy a, a Freemason um, uh, expose book that has the full text in it, and I uh, use that to learn the ritual. Um, so it was uh, most of the uh, all of in fact all of the Masonic secrets have been um, have been spread abroad by this uh, at this point. Most men just fade away from the the Masons. They stop paying their dues. They stop attending lodge. It's uh, like uh, in the church these days. Uh, it it I, I never met a Mason actually who was kicked out. Um, certainly, I never met a Mason who was kicked out for moral indiscretion and. Uh, um, that that is one of the things that you need to understand. Uh, and uh, let me just make a comment. It's sort of a rabbit trail, but it's connected. Sure. Um, the, the one of the reasons why the whole Masonic funeral uh, hit me so hard at heart was uh, uh, we were doing a Masonic funeral for a lodge brother. I was the chaplain, so I was one of the guys who were officiating. And I was saying, you know, this guy's in heaven, and so on. Um, he was he was not a good guy. He was not a good guy. He was a, a veteran of the police, a veteran of the military, but uh, he was a heavy drinker. Um, he was one of the guys. And I, you know, for a time, I, so was I, we would lie to our little lives about what time the uh, the Masonic meeting was going to break up. And we would go to the strip clubs in, in Washington, DC. This man was not godly in any sense. He did not love Jesus. And I, I knew that we all knew him. Um, and, and so here we are making believe that this, this man who had lived a, a corrupt life was, was a moral man and that he was going to be uh, entering into heaven, that he was already in the Grand Lodge and the Grand Celestial Lodge with the, uh, the Grand Architect of the Universe. And when it, it was patently false, absolutely not. So uh, I was standing up there and I was, I was saying lies. Um, so I hate to say this, but, you know, generally speaking, you, you got to be pretty bad to get kicked out of a Masonic Lodge. Uh, you really do. Um, so generally, like I said, they, they, they fall away just as it's almost impossible to get excommunicated from a liberal Protestant church. It's almost impossible to get kicked out of a, uh, uh, of a lodge. And I know there'll be Masons who are saying, no, that's not true. We, you know, got rid of that guy and so on. But it, it usually is not these days for revealing secrets. The, they're they're so loosey goosey. Like I, I was saying, you know, with the with the ritual books, you know, we would um, we weren't supposed to have these ritual books, but we would buy them, and everybody uh, understood that uh, that you're supposed to have everything memorized. We don't have everything memorized. Uh, this is not a memorizing age or a catechizing age. So um, uh, a lot of the a lot of the rules that that were hard and fast in the 19th century have kind of gone by the boards in the 20th century as the organization has weakened and the culture has changed. Yeah, I would think it would be like anything else. If you're not going to hold fast to your professed, you know, righteousness and all this other, and you're going to do this mm -hmm. other, you you kind of take away any strength that it would have in the first place. So, and the church is that way too. What does Jesus say? He says, "If the if the salt loses its its savor, what is it? Right. What is it good for? It thrown out and trampled uh, upon by men." So, it's, mm -hmm. it, it, I think it works the same. There's there's something of the same effect. And I've read some stories of some of those masons back what seventeen eighteen hundreds. Uh, and mm -hmm. they did carry out those rituals, and uh, I think some of the stories bear in mind that it was other Masons who who did kill those guys, or they disappeared them at the time. We use the term "disappeared them" now. Uh, they disappeared them, uh, so they were they were dealt with at, at least at that time. I'm sure 
uh, Andy, that there are people who still take it very serious today uh, who are in positions of power. And, um, you know, they still hold to this occultic mentality. I don't know how else you can explain things that come out like we've seen with the bushes out of skull and bones and other things like that. That seems very Freemason-esque, if you will, if you ask me. But, well, yeah, yeah. Go the, but you got to remember, uh, skull and bones is not a Masonic society. Sure, I get it. There. I get it. And, but it, but, but it is a know, secret absolutely, society. So if you're, you, if you're, I'm not going to argue for a second that you know guys don't cover for their uh, for their lodge brothers. Um, you know, it, it you will bend over backwards to try to help uh, a uh, a lodge brother out of a jam. Now, specifically, you're not supposed to help them get away with something criminal. That's actually you know emphasized in Masonic ritual, but in practice, um, you know, uh, sometimes obviously that uh, that that really does happen. Um, so, but the the number of um, as as the number of initiates has uh, has gone down, as the number of people going into masonry has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller, so their power is decreasing. Now, I, I won't, you know, I, I speak as a guy who who was part of a uh, of a Washington uh, of three Washington lodges um, at various times, and none of the no, sorry, two two Washington lodges, one New York lodge. Uh, I. I didn't come into contact, even though I was a member of Federal Lodge Number One, uh, with anybody who was, you know, really, really upper level. There were there were bureaucrats, there were uh, people like that in in those lodges, but uh, you just didn't see uh, the guys who are at Davos or the World Economic Forum or any of those organizations. There, so there. What I'm going to suggest to you is that there are actually organizations, other semi-secret confidential societies uh, that have superseded the Masons. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably, I think that's probably the case. Once they get uncovered, they go find another rock to hide under and they pull it over (laughs) them. I mean, that's, that's pretty much what they do. Okay. So let's, let's take this final part. Uh, We got about 10 minutes or so. How did you come out of that? And how did you become a real Christian? I mean, how, what, what was a spark that did that? Can you share with us some of your testimony? Cause I know that's going to have to do with what you're talking about, about, uh, the, the funeral ritual and things that were going on in Freemasonry. Right. Um, well, one of the things that, uh, and you know, God brings us, uh, while we all come to, uh, to the father through the son, through faith alone and Christ alone, um, the, the means by which he gets us to that point is often very different. Uh, it's interesting. Masonry was actually, uh, began, uh, the process of um, getting me to think in terms of, is there a God? Because in order to become a, a Mason, you have to affirm that there's a God. And I've been always pagan, uh, you know, so forces, maybe pagan gods and so on. But I, I finally had to affirm the idea that I'm not the, I can't be the highest uh, creation in the universe. Um, it, it can't be that there isn't uh, a first mover, Aristotle's mover. So I, it got me to the place where I was willing to accept that there's a God, but of course that's not saving. Um, it was actually uh, while I was working in the Washington DC area and I was commuting to Fredericksburg, um, two crises had come together. Uh, the first was uh, my wife uh, realized, or my wife-to-be, uh, the woman that I'd been dating, uh, who'd been my high school sweetheart, 
uh, realized that she was marrying somebody who was essentially a pagan. I wasn't even baptized, you know, even as an infant. Uh, and she realized that I didn't have any moral floor, that there was no, there was, you know, there was no, no solid foundation. I was really, I was planted on shifting sand to use Christ's uh, analogy in the, in the parable, not solid rock. And that began to um, upset her. You know, was she doing the right thing? Uh, and at the same time, I, I uh, was beginning to uh, lose confidence in myself, you know, um, and uh, my eyes were gradually being opened to where I was. Well, one day I was driving, I was driving my wife's uh, Ford Bronco and the CD player. Uh, I was really upset. I had a, a series of, uh, I had a book by Tacitus that I was going to listen to on CD, uh, but um, uh, it, the CD player wasn't working. So I started listening to the radio. There was only one radio station that came in all the way from where I started in Clifton, Virginia and ended up in Frederick, Maryland. And that was Wave Up. WAVA uh, in Washington. And so it was, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Janet Parshall. Yes. So conservative talk yep. host. Okay. So I, you know, I listened to her and I was a second amendment guy. So I was, you know, yeah, that's good. Uh, but then, you know, these Christians came on. The second guy who came on after her was Jack Hayford. Uh, and he was talking about Revelation. And Revelation is really the only book of the Bible that uh, most uh, occultists are interested in because of all the, you know, the future prophecies. Yeah, we're hearing a bunch of that now. They like to play pin the tail on the Antichrist, find out what the mark of the beast is, but they don't know how to live a holy <laughs> right? life. Right? Yeah, no, that's really the case. So I, I listened to him. And then, believe it or not, I actually got into this pattern where over a series of weeks, I was actually turning on the radio and waiting to hear what these guys had to say. But whenever I was going anywhere, it was always I would listen to their sermons and I would say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I wish so-and-so heard this or I wish she heard this. I wish he heard this and so on. And one day uh, it was actually it was Chuck Swindoll and he was preaching on um, uh, as a Calvinist, I would call it uh, total depravity. He was calling it total inability, our inability to save ourselves. And he made a point in the sermon. He said, you know, we, we, we think we're good guys. And of course, in Freemasonry, you're, you're a good guy, you know, um, but we're not. Our, our hearts are wicked. Uh, we do things uh, for our own sake, even when we're being charitable. We do it so we can be seen like others, like the Pharisees did. When at heart, we are uh, sinful and depraved. And it was at that point where, and I remember it uh, to this day, it was like, um, it's like I've been, I've been shot, uh, you know, it, it hit me that hard. Uh, the closet of all of the sinful and wicked things that I've been doing in my life burst open. And I mean, I remembered stuff that went back to when I was three. Uh, after I had this experience, I, I called my mother, for instance, and I said, um, uh, was there ever a time where I took a, 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 a tea tin, a tea biscuit tin full of lead soldiers, this was in the UK, and poured it on another kid's head? Uh, and she said, yes, you got expelled from school for that. <laughs> I can't believe you remember that. <laughs> but that was just one of many things, the way I'd misused people, my parents, my friends, women, all the, you know, just came tumbling out. And I saw how, how depraved I was uh, and how lost I was. And I realized that there's a heaven and there's a hell, and there is a God, and he is righteous, and I am not, and I do not have, uh, you know, as the Masons would assert, uh, I have not done good works that would ever get me into heaven, neither could I do good works, uh, and each day I was just deeper and deeper in sin, 
Um, and therefore, if I was ever to be saved, it would have to be through the uh, it would have to be through the perfect work of my Savior Jesus Christ. I would I needed a vicarious atonement. I needed His righteousness. I needed His cleanse the cleansing from sin that only He could give. My sins needed to be washed away. And a real righteousness, not some phony apron righteousness, needed to be given to me. I needed the robes of His righteousness, the wedding garments of the of the Lamb. And uh, I saw that clearly in that moment. I remember I had to pull over to the side of the road because I was crying so hard. I was like, I'm going to kill somebody. <laughs> you know? And I, uh, and so I prayed, uh, I, I prayed what they would call the, the sinner's prayer, uh, asked Jesus into my heart. And uh, it was like a huge weight had been taken off of my shoulders at that moment in time. I, I really did feel that, that Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress moment where the, the, uh, the sins roll off of you. And I thought to myself, sitting at the stand, uh, on the side of the road at that moment in time, I'm a Christian. And then I thought, I don't know how to be a Christian. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, I had no church affiliation. I had nothing. So uh, there was a place called Great Christian Books in Maryland. And I used to see it from the highway. And I stopped there. And I, uh, I picked up a, uh, a, a Bible on tape. And I started listening to it constantly. Whenever I was traveling, I got a little cassette. You know, some of your people probably don't even remember what a cassette uh, player was. No, most of, most of them will know what a cassette is. <laughs> okay, okay. So, you know, I used to play that and uh, I would go over it. And I was, uh, and then in the evening when I wasn't driving, I would be uh, reading, uh, reading the Bible. And uh, initially God brought me into, uh, uh, we went back to my, my wife's Presbyterian church, which was PCUSA, but they were liberals all get out. You know, the first sermon, uh, the pastor preached was why the Virgin Mary isn't a virgin, uh, or wasn't a virgin. And, um, it was always the gospel according to gun control. He was just preaching the Washington post, um, editorial page. Then I initially moved towards the assemblies of God. Uh, but some of the stuff that went on in their worship services freaked out my wife. Something's not right. Uh, so eventually God brought us into uh, a PCA church in McLean, Virginia. And then uh, we became PCA. And then um, when the PCA began to uh, get squishy on the issue of homosexuality, we uh, uh, and a number of other issues. We moved to the ARP and we're very happy here. So I'm conservative, I'm evangelical, I'm reformed, I'm Presbyterian, uh, but uh, above all things, I'm a sinner saved by grace Amen. Uh, through faith alone in Christ alone. That's right. Yeah, and, and that's 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 the key is, I love what you said, I, I don't know how to become a Christian. Well, we don't make ourselves Christians. This is the whole point of the gospel. It is mm -hmm. the work of God in us. It is what he does in us. It is not what we're doing. Uh, so, you know, I, I tell people, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many times I prayed the quote-unquote sinner's prayer, and, um, and nothing happened. You, you ask Jesus in your heart. Well, I don't even I don't even see that in Scripture. What I see is you must be born again, and uh, you've got to turn from your sin. And the 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 sinner who is the law is held up to him that drives him to Christ. It shuts his mouth, and he has to say, "I'm guilty." Have mercy on me, O Lord. You know, the publican and the, and the, and the Pharisee uh, mm -hmm. in the temple together, he beats on his chest. The one guy is saying, God, aren't you glad you got a guy like me on your side? And the other guy is in the corner beating on his chest going, have mercy on me, a sinner. I mean, he, mm -hmm. he, that's all he knows how to say. I know that was my conversion experience. It was, I, I didn't know, being raised in a Christian home, I didn't even know 
things to do. It was just what came out of my heart, which was because that's what God put in it. He gave me a new right. heart in that. So I appreciate, Andy, you spending some time with us. You know, I, I know some people have had some questions. I, look, I understand in some circles it's probably more serious than it was before, and some it's way less than it was. Nevertheless, the fact of the matter is these secret societies are things that are not uh, con- commended by Scripture nor the Lord Jesus. All things that are done in, in the dark are going to be brought to the light. You know, what's done in secret is going to be shouted to the housetop. So, Andy, we appreciate you spending time with us. And uh, hang on, and I'll say goodbye to you off air. Uh, okay. Guys, be sure to catch Bradley uh, today at 3 p.m. Eastern, or we're going to change over to the other. And uh, we'll be back with you in the morning, bright and early, 8 a.m. with Kate Shimerani. Don't know who we got coming on with her, but we'll talk to you then. See ya.